All right, vocal fam, here we go. You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from your semi-occluded vocal tract, have you practiced today? All right, Vocal Fam, what a special episode. Um, first of all, Vocal Fam, let me say Sarah could not be with us today. Uh, she is busily in the throes of trying to organize incredibly socially distanced, very small uh, little Christmas holiday performance things for her many students at the Arts Academy. And so uh, given that she could only have a very, very tiny number of people in the room at any point, uh, it's been, she's busy this weekend. So anyway, uh, Vocal Fam, we are excited. We've been waiting for this episode all semester. Um, we have with us today the authors of one of Plural's hits. This is our December Plural Publishing author showcase. Uh, Plural Publishing, sponsor of the Vocal Fry podcast. And we are so excited to have the authors of The Vocal Athlete, Wendy LeBourne and Marcy Rosenberg, here with us. Marcy, Wendy, welcome to Vocal Fry. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here. Uh, this, this is, uh, this is, uh, is going to be a fun episode. Okay, so... Uh, whichever of you wants to go first, just sort of, here's what I'd like to know. Here's what I always like the vocal fam to know. What, if, they, if they're not familiar with your book and they're not familiar with you as individuals, what I like them to know right off the bat is, what is it that sort of set you on a path that eventually led your career to writing this book? That's really sort of the journey we want to know. And if, if, if you singing in choir as a 12-year-old was important, you can include that. Um, if bowling professionally was part of your journey, that's also fine, too. Whatever, whatever you'd like to include or leave out. Uh, so, so please, have at it. Sure. Um, this is Wendy. I'm excited to be here. And uh, my backstory, the two-minute backstory. Uh, you know, I started as a performer. Um, my goal was to be on Broadway, when, as I think so many people are. Sure. Uh, and I have a BFA in musical theater. During my senior year at Shenandoah Conservatory, I met uh, Dr. Jeanette Ogg, mm -hmm. who taught the vocal pedagogy class. And I truly fell in love with this. Coming from um, a family where my dad was a physical therapist and... Um, and my sister was an athlete, I, I missed the science behind the art. So this was over 30 years ago now. And I wasn't sure at that point that I wanted to be a waitress the rest of my life. I really actually missed science. And there were not people at the time specifically um, working with professional singers in a in exactly this way. So I decided after I graduated that I went back to graduate school um, for speech pathology, specifically looking at voice and voice disorders. My my area of um, passion has always been the belt voice because that's what I did. I sung music theater forever. Um, and I, I had an, another amazing mentor in uh, Dr. Joe Stemple when I was in grad school and he took me under his wing and I worked in his practice. Um, 
until he went into academia where I took over his practice. And the vocal athlete was actually built a lot out of my doctoral work, my dissertation. Marcy and I will, we can talk about this, but I remember sitting at a coffee shop in Philadelphia at a voice foundation meeting. And literally, I'm pretty sure we might even have a napkin where we <laughs> kind of outlined this book um, many, many years ago. And so to taking my passion and Marcy's passion and what was missing in my mind, that's sort of where this book came out of. And um, I've been evaluating and treating vocal athletes for almost uh, 25 years now. And so where that's are, where I am. And where are you now? So I'm based in Cincinnati, Ohio. Do you have a private practice? Are you with an institution? Or I'm, I'm with a private practice, um, yes. And I've worked for the same practice for almost 25 years now. Wow. And then I also have a private voice studio where I see high-level vocal athletes, um, Broadway tours, um, commercial music artists. And so I work with them uh, in more of a singing studio setting. Sure. Um, so, so, yeah. So getting them healthy and maintaining eight shows a week or whatever their market demands. Uh, or a tour. Uh, yeah, indeed. All right. Very good. Marcy. Um, it's always fun to hear the, the history of how Wendy ended up. Mine is not so, so different. There are certainly a lot of parallels. I also started performing. Um, I was one of those professional child um, performers and did um, quite a bit of sort of local regional um, dinner theater kind of stuff when I was really a little little kid okay. and I was one of the many thousands of, of young girls that trashed her voice doing Annie so I <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine why and I have some hilarious photos of me on stage like with my you know neck strap muscles like you know belting and uh, not not the right way um, and so I was actually in one of the first um, non-Broadway local productions of Annie nationally. And it was like an eight, I think it was like an eight week run in the summer, you know, eight shows a week with no guidance, no, no voice coaching, no pedagogy, oh, no nothing. So by the time, I mean, I was just trashed by the, by the end of that. So fast forward, I, my, my voice teacher at the time abruptly switched me to classical singing. <laughs> And so then I kind of was on a classical trajectory for quite a while. I graduated from Interlochen Arts Academy and then went on to Peabody Conservatory where I did my bachelor's in, in voice performance. So Fantastic. similar to Wendy, I also took a pedagogy class. So Wendy's doing music theater. I'm now in a classical world. But we did a field trip to a voice clinic very similar to the one that, that I work in. And I started to realize that there was this whole field of, now I'll call it vocology, um, but where people were just, you know, focused on voice and vocal health. And there was a doctor that was involved with this. And then there was this other person called a speech pathologist, but she got to look at vocal folds all day and she was doing research. And I was one of her subjects because I was having issues with my voice. Uh, my, my voice professor, Ruth Drucker, said, well, you know, because I didn't have the kind of insurance that would cover, you know, mm -hmm. a strobe. And she said, well, doctor such and such is doing this study. Why don't you be one of the subjects? So I went and got my first scope when I was probably like a maybe a sophomore uh -huh. at Peabody. And and then I was just fascinated with this field. And I, and I was the person that would go into my voice lessons. So my senior year at Peabody, I actually started seeing Tom Hauser. And I don't know if you know who Dr. Hauser yes. was. Um, he's since passed away. But I actually, he got me through my senior recital. So I would drive from Baltimore to the Amish, you know, 
area of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. God forbid you get stuck behind a horse and buggy. I grew up um, in Amish country, Pennsylvania. So did I, you really? Uh, I'm very aware of the horse and buggy delays uh, yes, so that, that, that are involved in living in central Pennsylvania. Or southern indeed. Uh -huh. So I did that once a week uh, my senior year of, of Peabody. And it turns out I actually had acid reflux. He actually is the person that identified that as a problem with sure. me because that was really before it was a thing. Right. And so I did all of the behavioral things with Gaviscon and elevating my bed and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he's the one I would go into my voice teachers with questions like, how come when I'm on this vowel, on this note, in this register, I notice this, but when I'm on this vowel, on the same note, I noticed some, you know, I would go in with those kinds of questions. And so he, and most teachers did, had no idea how to answer those questions. And he said, what are you doing when you graduate from Peabody? And I said, you know, I'm not sure because I didn't really have a passion for classical performance. Mm -hmm. um, and I really had no intention of pursuing grad work. And he said, you need to go become a speech pathologist and work with voice disorders. And I swear to you on the way home from that voice lesson. Yeah, it's a two hour drive. I was like, I know what I am doing. It was like a, the clouds open. And I understood in that moment that that was what I was meant to do. So within a month, I was registered to do my second bachelor's degree at Towson State and then did research with Christy Ludlow at NIH mm -hmm. after that. And I've been very fortunate to have some really wonderful mentors. Wendy has also had wonderful mentors. Christy Ludlow, then to Bowling Green with Ron Scher. Right. Um, you know, so it just sort sort of went from there, and I luckily just got hired right out of graduate school at University of Michigan, you and know. I have been there for almost twenty years. And at the time when Wendy and I started doing this, it was really like a unicorn kind of clinician to have this dual degree in yeah. either musical theater or performance or whatever. And now it's really expected. It's, I think it's kind of expected if you want to work with. Um, professional voice so yeah. that's kind of how I end up and I like Wendy I also have a private voice consulting um, practice where I work with people you know last week I was working with somebody in London you know so thank thankfully for virtual world um, so I maintain a private consulting studio as well yeah the every once in a while perform but Amazing. Not as often. Amazing. Well, obviously, you both have you know incredible backgrounds, and and uh, you know in, in, aren't we all thankful for all of our mentors, all of them? Oh, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Who you know sort Indeed. of ended up getting us here. Uh, so I feel like we're talking about a West Wing episode. Take us back to this coffee shop. Um, <laughs> like like what? Like did you? <laughs> I feel like we're like watching like Josh and Toby at a Starbucks or something. Um, tell. Sorry, my wife and I are in the middle of a West Wing rewatch, and it's I, we she's, are too. She's we're never starting. seen it. She's never oh, seen okay. it. I, I I watched it when it was anyway. Yes, yes. But uh, tell me, tell me, like you know, when did you first meet? You know, that sort of led to this conversation in the coffee shop. Did you meet through Voice Foundation? Did you meet somewhere no. else? We actually met Wendy in your neck of the woods at the Ohio Voice Association, one of your That's regional right. conferences. That Martin Spencer had invited me to come speak, and I knew who you were. And I came up to you and we started chatting and, you know, we were started discussing, we've got to collaborate. And that was probably in 08. At least it's, it's, yeah, it's been a, such a long time. Um, yeah. yeah. So the, it was. Yes. And then I think several phone calls where mm -hmm. we both understood that there was a real lack of academic 
output addressing mm-hmm. pedagogy for contemporary singers. And we thought, well, what book would we want to buy? And that's when we started really talking about it. And then Wendy started telling me about her dissertation. And um, quite a chunk of that is included in the book. And I think you have an appendix even for one of your chapters that's also, that's also in our book. So, it, you know, and then we added obviously a ton of other stuff. And we just started like kind of designing the book that we thought would be awesome. And then, and then we really, you know, napkin you know napkin uh we did <laughs> napkined yeah. it out <laughs> rewind what... rewind us a second wendy <laughs> tell us about your just just a, a little bit about your dissertation so what was that where you know what so what... my dissertation um so my doctoral work i wanted to know what was getting hired on broadway uh-huh. perceptually and okay. then how do you train that acoustically because at the time because i I finished this in 2001. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking almost, it'll be 20 years this year, which right. just, just seems impossible and, to believe. And for the vocal fam who is used to, just, just for our listeners who are maybe younger or uh, whatever, who have not been in this game as long, if you went to Voice Foundation in 2001 and heard a talk on contemporary singing, that was pretty rare, except for maybe Jeannie or, Jeannie. or, or Lisa maybe giving something. Yeah. But but it wasn't like in 2001 you could go out and buy this book, Matt Edwards, So You Want to Sing Rock and Roll, uh, you know, Norman and... and uh, Mary's, uh, Mary's songs, book, yeah. you know, whatever. It wasn't like th- th- that was a thing. It was kind of like if you knew Seth Riggs or if you knew Jeannie or if you knew whatever. So right. I just wanted to give everybody that background for you younger listeners yeah. who aren't aware that, that contemporary voice teaching was once the wild, wild west. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Jeannie's been fighting that battle for, for, a, for and 30-some years. Yes. Sure, she, sure. She's one of the first that stood up and said, guys, So anyway, going on back, back. Yeah. yeah. And so interestingly, just back up a hot minute is that I actually started my undergrad at Penn State and met Norman Spivey when I was 18 years old. Fascinating. Um, Before they had a music theater program and I I ended up transferring to Shenandoah Conservatory and then ended up coming back to see Norman and Mary for a long time. So those are good friends of mine. But anyway, so my dissertation, what I really wanted to know is what got hired. So I took elite belters, student belters, mind you, and I had them record the same specific pieces and then what i did is i played them for casting directors because at the end of the day i didn't actually care if they were healthy or not healthy or anything else i did strobe them so i know what they looked like but what i wanted to know was if you listen to them and you assumed that they physically fit whatever part you were looking for who would you hire as a casting director as your most elite belters and so then i took the um, the four singers who were considered the most elite. And I had them rated on a lot of the things that we saw in the literature at the time. Were they nasal? Were they brighter? What did they do with their vibrato, et cetera? So um, then I went back in and objectively looked at their spectral slope. I looked at nasality. I looked at timbre. And then came up with a uh, conclusion where we could say, okay, the elite belters in this study had these vocal characteristics because to that point, 
the majority of time, the majority of research that had been out there was almost single subject designs. So you were looking at a single subject and I mean, Jeannie's work and Lisa's work and Joe Estel's work. I mean, it was seminal. It was, it was the, whether you agree with it or not, it was the beginning of our ability to research this. Right. So um, my study was one of the very first ones to look at multiple subjects. And since then people have gone on and obviously looked at multiple subjects. Um, what ended up being interesting to me is the most elite belter in my study actually did go on to become an elite Broadway performer within a year of them graduating from college. So I will, I can't share who it was, sure, but course. I can tell you that that was very validating to me to go, Oh, good. <laughs> Whatever those casting directors heard yeah. was accurate because that's what um, happened. And so there've been a couple of other publications out of my dissertation. Um, but so much of the work that I wanted to do needed to be translational. It's really great that mm. I can talk about formants and harmonics and blah, 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 nasality and spectral slope. But what does that mean day to day in the voice studio? And how does that translate to teachers who want to train this style? Absolutely. And I think when Marcy and I talked, and at the time, and still really even to this day, Marcy, you can chime in. The majority of pedagogical work has been historically in the classical world. Yes. And and you can't throw the baby out with men. the bathwater. And on yes. men. Forgive yes. me for your interrupting, but it, it's just yeah. true. Absolutely. So how do we bridge this gap? You know, as we look for a path forward, we don't want to throw out everything that's been done, but where are those similarities and where are the differences uh, in the classical pedagogy world and commercial pedagogy world. Mm-hmm. I teach undergraduate classical pedagogy at both Shenandoah, cons- or excuse me, at S- Cincinnati Conservatory. And also this fall, I taught for Amsterdam Conservatory for their graduate program. So, nice. so I'm, you know, the classical pedagogy is really, really important in my world yeah. too, but we've got to understand the similarities and differences. Uh-huh. And that's sort of how this came about. Like you said, we sat down and, Marcy and I literally, I remember sitting at a coffee table on a corner in Philadelphia, (laughs) uh, having some wine and cheese and talking about what this book would be. And honestly, I can say without Marcy, I'm pretty sure the book would have never gotten done because Marcy and I are like yin and yang a little bit. And, um, and, and that's a good thing in an author. If you've ever written a book or have a co-author, you need to have a person, um, like Mar, like for me, Marcy is my other half of this for sure. That's great. Yeah, you also need the same thing most of the time if you want to start a podcast, uh, just for what <laughs> yes, it's I'm worth. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and, and marriage. Well, <laughs> yes. I'd love to see someone try to marry themselves, though. I mean, that might be. My well, no. I, the point is, we're actually very. Wendy and I are quite different. We have yeah. very different, um, and we get along great, and we've been, and we're friends. We know we started as sort of friendly colleagues, but we're, you know, we can consider each other friends now, and we've Absolutely. certainly known each other for, you know, quite a while, but we're very different. Sure. We have different work styles, we have different presentation styles, we, you know, but we, and we have different work, you know, just how we sort of approach timelines, that kind of stuff, but we complement, and it doesn't, do this, it, yeah. it, we, we end up doing this. And if one That's of us awesome. is like a little buried and a little behind, the other one will be like, okay, girl, 
Let's go. It's like, here's the cattle prod. Just keep on versa. going, girl. I was so. I was going to say who's the who's the sort of uh, the motivator. Who's the uh, maybe perhaps just uh, wants to add more stuff uh, to the book. But uh. I, I would say for me, Marcy is definitely a motivator for me. Um, I will say that there have been times when I've been like, oh, Marcy, I don't think we actually need that. Like, okay, we're done. We're stopping here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so I'm probably both. I'm not only like I would really like to add another chapter to the second edition um and also like are we good with our timeline i'm probably unfortunately both of those but it's not because <laughs> wendy's lax and not doing it it's just because she is a busy 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 person yeah I, <laughs> I feel that um so when you you know when you started um actual work on the book and, and you started you say you sort of already had sort of an outline um I don't think, by my assessment of the, the, the books that are out there, there, there when you, especially when the first edition came out, that there was a book out there like this that was essentially laid out and, and I, I also would say curated like an academic textbook, uh, like an academic voice pedagogy textbook that really was that had more than a specific classical or or musical theater or contemporary focus did you think that well i guess i i first let me say this i think that when this book came out it was awesome and it hit a little bit of the zeitgeist of the moment. And I, I, I really want to congratulate you both because I really think you encapsulated something that there was a hole there that was needed. And any young researchers who are listening, that's your whole goal. The only goal you should have is finding the hole. If you can find the hole, you can do the thing. Anyway, but... I think you really captured, because right around, the first edition was 2013, something like 20, that? 2014. 2014. Out, yeah. We were really at a point where, um, you know, there were more of us in the generation that were cool teaching multiplistic styles who had grown up with this sort of idea, you know, I, and I, I think you really captured um, the pedagogic community's attention. Um, but out of curiosity, just because I'm curious about interesting things, did you have any pushback when you sort of, when it sort of came out? Not just at all. just no. just curious. No. I mean, you obviously landed a major publishing company to publish it, but but I was just yeah. curious, you know, because obviously, uh, if we go back to some of our elder states people of you know teaching in multiplistic styles, they can bear the scars of some of the battles that they fought yeah. over the years. Yeah. But did you find any of that, or was it just sort of smooth sailing in that regard? Not at all smooth sailing, and but also don't don't forget that Wendy had already published a, a, at least two products for Plural, sure. Before we went to them with our with our proposal, so she was a known entity to them already. But I right, sort of Wendy? mean I, I'm more talking about reaction from the public, not not necessarily reaction. No, from Plural. Well, and honestly, anything is the opposite. I would say. Yeah, I was going to say we even had people reach out, like um. Um, Brian Matternick from from Classical Singer, who was mm -hmm. kind enough to to read and review the yeah. book on his own accord, um, which was, I mean, so flattering. Yeah. And I think one of the things that Marcy and I really tried to do with this book that potentially would have diffused as much of that as possible 
at least from my perspective, is we wanted to make this an evidence-based pedagogy book. I think when we look historically at pedagogical literature, it's oftentimes, this is how I did things, these are my exercises, and so you should do it this way. Method And so before we published this book, um, as a researcher, for sure, I was not comfortable saying things. I mean, there is obviously Marcy Wendy bias within this book. Sure, of course, but, of course. But what we really tried, at least what I think we tried to capture was like, this is what's currently out there in the literature as, as far as classical singing. This is what we see in the commercial world. This is what we know about the music theater world. And what's been fascinating as we did the second edition, yeah. how many more research articles mm-hmm. there were now about um, musical theater and commercial singing yeah. than the first one. The first one we're like, have we, is this it? Is this all we've got? And now we have that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if maybe that's why we didn't get pushback or maybe people were ready for it. I'm not sure. I, I, think, I think people also- were ready for it. And I think also because we are both clinical singing voice specialists, voice pathologists, fill in the blank, whatever term you want to use. Um, We obviously, there's a quite a bit of vocal health. There's an entire section and with other chapters that that also had not been included in a text format, like physician written chapter on reflux, a physician written chapter on what to ha- what to expect when you're undergoing anesthesia, you know, sort of like those kinds of things, you know, teachers, their co- students are always talking about those kinds of issues, but it's not written in a cohesive format. Sure. So I think because we had, it had such an overlay of vocal health and wellness, you know, the myths and truths chapter, which was so fun. It's a great that, that chapter. That was my favorite chapter to write. It's a oh, great chapter. Sure. It's a great and also, chapter. we're not doing this as Marcy and Wendy's way to train singing. It's really more <laughs> of a singing science with specific emphasis on where the hole was, which was yeah. CCM. And we highlighted many of the of the prominent pioneers in the field, like Jeannie Lavetri and Lisa Papil and Seth Riggs, people who, again, whether you agree with the methods they teach, they are in the marketplace, known, Estel, you know. Um, highlighted all those different methods for people to see. But you also don't, you know, um, you also don't ignore the classical side of things, particularly in that little history that you do, which I think is very nice in inclusion of sort of the histories of these, of the pedagogies of these things uh, and and pointing out prominent figures and, and, and that kind of thing. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're sort of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's, 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 it, I think it's nice and it, it, it's very inclusive in that regard. And I think the book could actually be in a traditional pedagogy text world. Um, yeah. Because of that, that chapter is one, that's part of your appendix, Wendy. That particular chapter. Yeah, that chapter was part of my dissertation. Is actually directly from her mm-hmm. dissertation, um, that chapter on classical, because it's just such a nice, concise overview. Well, I will tell you both that, that um, this spring, for my current new crop of graduate students, we are using this book for ANAT and Physio and for the first semester of practicum. Um, uh, Thank you. With them. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of weird because it, uh, <laughs> they're they're sort of getting bombarded over the head with this this year. Uh, they we started. Um, we started just where we were in the cycle of courses. Our CCM ped, I teach a CCM ped course specific, and that was in the fall. And so um, we did that already in the fall, and now we're actually sort of going backwards to their, their uh, ANAT and physio course. But, but I am using this for, for, the, for the spring. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to, I'm excited to, 
to, to use it as a text. It's the first time I'll have done that. Great. Uh, so I, I, you know, uh, and I mean, all of my courses are both of these. I never, I know I don't teach anything that's honestly, other than the CCM ped course where we look at more some, it gives us a chance to dive into some more styles and, and some more style specific things. But, mm-hmm. but none of my courses are, are classical specific or contemporary specific or, or, or what have you, because a larynx is a larynx. And um, at, at some point, there's, there's more alignment there. Um, what, if someone had, does not have the, the second edition, what were some of the things that got included? You mentioned like more sources from different, you know, more contemporary research. What, what are some things that got included in the second edition? If somebody maybe has the first edition, but maybe they, they could be value to having the second edition instead. What were some of the things that changed? Quite a bit, actually. There's a whole new chapter on registration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a, um, I'm just thumbing through. Sure, I have mine right here. (laughs) I have mine over here. (laughs) There is a physician chapter written by Dr. Kupfer, who's one of the laryngologists that I have the pleasure Mm -hmm. of working with Mm -hmm. at Michigan Medicine on common vocal pathologies, which I think is really useful. Um, We updated and expanded the reflux chapter. The anesthesia chapter has also been expanded the um, anesthesiologist who does all of the head and neck otolaryngology cases at Michigan Medicine I invited to um, augment this particular chapter so that it's more relevant I love Um, by the way let me just say this too I love that you even given both of your expertise which you probably could have just written the book yourselves. I love the interdisciplinary effort of still reaching out to others and the collaborative effort to still reaching out to other experts who bring in their you know, specific expertise to the book. I think it adds great value personally. Yeah. So Thank congratulations you. on that on that point. Thank you. Yeah, we, I mean, we obviously think that too. And we, we wrote a large chunk of it, but we sure. certainly have chapters that really are just so much better written by, by the guests that, that wrote them. Lita right. Yeah, that's their you know. area of expertise. Lita will be on the podcast on the spring to oh, talk about the spring. Yay, talk about her, her book is great. Book. The motor learning and exercise physiology chapters were updated, which by the way, those were two chapters that we felt strongly needed to be in the first edition because it was not being discussed back then in that way. Tell tell the vocal fam a little bit about that, specifically the exercise physiology chapter and, and maybe w- w- just a little sort of uh, summary of what that includes and why that was important. Well, we really thought it was, imp- I mean, so the exercise, so first of all, both of those chapters are really very general introductory. Sure, of, of course. Well, motor um, learning is such a huge field. Right. I mean, it's, you know. Yes. Um, and there are other, you know, Lynn Helding, Lynn Maxfield, Heidi Moss now, I think is just doing some really great Sure, all, all kind of them. Cool yes, stuff. absolutely. But the, so the exercise physiology really gives a general overview of some of those kinesiology principles that, athlete, that uh, elite athletes use mm-hmm. and how those, like, so the overload, you know, sensitivity, sensitivity specificity, overload, intensity, um, reversibility and how those might apply to voice training with some examples and putting it within that context of how to think about voice training within the context of exercise physiology. And then the motor learning chapter really talks a lot about practice and cueing and teaching style and how a lot of the things that we tend to intuitively do as a teacher kind of hinders 
actual long-term learning on the student's mm. part. Mm. Um, and so that's that chapter really talks a lot about, about that. And that's actually one of my favorite lectures to do when I'm lecturing is the motor learning because a lot of people who don't live in the world that the three of us live in where you know, we are reading that stuff. We are, you know, looking at, at the academic output of Lynn Helding and Lynn Maxfield and, you know, um, there it's like a, oh, kind of a kind yeah. of a thing, I think. Yeah, so that's right. Even, even still. Um, and, and that's this is very this is just tipping the surface of really, truly actual learning and motor learning. I mean, that's it's a deep, deep ocean. Sure, sure, um, sure, sure. So sure. Um, sure. absolutely. Um <laughs> You use a word that I don't think the vocal fan would be familiar with if, since they don't um, necessarily are in that world to describe your respiration chapter, which you called respiratory kinematics. <laughs> Why did you call it that and not just respiration? <laughs> I'll let Wendy answer that one. <laughs> oh, awesome. I, you know, I think that in the speech pathology world and in, in, in science world, kinematics is a, world, a word that we would use um, sure. to describe not just necessarily how you breathe. Like, it's not just diaphragmatic breathing. It's how you use that breath. It's, it's the integration of those things. Um, I never even thought about using that word. I mean, it's just common vocabulary. Right. right. So I, I don't know. But I, to a I, singer, they're going to go, now what is this kin yeah. kin 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 well, something? Yeah. So I, that's, I mean, that wasn't anything uh, intentional. I'm, this is a yeah, first time. Yeah, I don't time. think, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I've never even <laughs> thought just, about it. Sorry. You know, no, it's fine. <laughs> I, it's fine. Because I think, you know, when I. I love it, by the way. I think no, it's, I think it's great. <laughs> You know, I think that, you know, as a singer, it's really important to, I mean, people talk about when I teach my respiration units sure. for pedagogy, it's not just about how we breathe. It's about pressures and flows of course. and that different body types breathe differently. And right. singers that dance are different than dancers that sing that are different than actors who sing. And Lord, it's nice. all okay. And and so it's not just about respiratory anatomy and physiology. It has to become about the kinematics of how we breathe um, for f for not just life, but also functional outcomes. And you talk um, a little bit about different uh, breathing even between styles uh, in, in the book, too. I mean, different, different, uh, a bunch of different things between styles. But, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's great. I think it's, it's, it's wonderful to actually have that kind of stuff, you know, written down in a source. Even yeah. if you've thought it before uh, or observed it, um, actually having it as a resource is absolutely fantastic. Tell me, I don't forgive me for not owning a copy. Tell me about the workbook. So Marcy uh, and I, when we talked about this workbook, again, going back to why we maybe didn't get pushback from people sure. is it's not Marcy Wendy workbook. It is oh, truly, no. it's a whole how many bunch exercises of are in there? Are there 85 exercises? In oh, the at least, I can't even remember. And I only have maybe two exercises in here. I think you have right, one right, right. or two. Yeah. It wasn't about that. We were very clear about mm -hmm. this was not about our opinion and our little exercises. This is not a Marcy and Wendy teach um, voice. We really wanted to reach out to the known pedagogues 
you know, at that time, and it's certainly not all inclusive, well, um, to contribute. Course. And then once we got everything, we tried to curate it into like sections that sort of seemed to make sense. We really wanted a manual intervention, a manual section, because I think that's something that, that we don't see a lot of in, I mean, I think all teachers do, oh, release the jaw, you know, that kind of stuff. But we wanted tangible sort of exercises and then sort of the nuts and bolts kind of strength coordination and then more of the stylistic um, stuff. Now, we made a choice with the first edition not to overly edit or vet, you know, we went to people that were considered respected sure. teachers in their areas and at their universities and in their private studios. Um, we did not feel it was our role to really tease apart somebody's exercise other than if we thought it would be something that would be injurious um, sure, to, to sure, a singer. Sure, sure, and sure, we, sure, and sure, we sure, have sure. little notes here and there about, you know, monitoring for t fatigue or whatever when appropriate. Um, but that was our goal was really to get because the, ultimately the exercise is not what makes or breaks the deal it's why you're doing it what are you trying to solve and is it getting the job done so the right. exercise is not really that's just sort of a sequence of, of biomechanics it, right. that's really all it is and it's the context you're using it in and why you're using it and how you're adjusting it and what you're observing when you implement it if it's getting you to your target that to me is where the craft of teaching comes into of course play. of course of course so of course. yeah you could know you could know every exercise in the world and every bit of science in the world but also right. if you've never actually sat in front of a human and actually right. tried to elicit a different sound right. uh right. it's it's a that's a that's a different thing all, yeah. altogether of course no of course um so uh this book is you know and by the way first of all let me say congratulations on a second printing for any of you involved in academic publishing, it's cool to get published as a book. It's very cool for it to have sold enough and be important enough to get a second printing. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's so, so congrats, kudos. It's like birthing a baby two times. I'm not going to lie. You just say, oh, <laughs> this great. book almost killed us. Yeah. We thought, how hard could it be to have a second, write a second, we'll, we'll update the articles we've been tracking. And then that's, that's when... Marcy was like, let's add some chapters. And Wendy wanted to add a registration <laughs> chapter. And that yeah, was the I mean, that was the thing. What, the registration chapter for me adding was huge. Because when I started yes, teaching course. from this book, I really realized in commercial <laughs> world that that right. actually was missing. Because I was like, oh. We've got to do this. Tell and us. She's like, write it, and I'm like, oh, okay. Tell us just so, a little yes. preview, a little preview of that registration chapter, since you brought it up a few times, and you say it's yeah. your favorite. T tell us a little preview of that. No, I mean, I won't say it's my favorite, but it was necessary to put in. There. Ah, ah, um. ah, 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 okay, 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 <laughs> well, okay. I just think that there's so much uh, when I, and I don't know, I, I feel like probably this is pretty consistent across the board. When people talk about, is it chest voice? Is it head voice? Is it mix? Is it blah blah blah? If you, if we cannot semantically define some of these things, mm -hmm. the confusion that arises, yeah. that at least for the context in our little small world, what are these things? Yeah. What are some audio examples of what I'm calling chest voice, head voice dominant, you know, that we hear across the globe, you know, mode one, mode two, thin folds, thick fold. Where does that correspond? Yeah. Because that 
that aspect of things in a studio, and I, I don't find it to be as much of an issue with my classical singers as I do with my contemporary singers. They want to know, should I do this in head voice mix? Should I do this in chest voice right. mix? And I don't ever, hardly ever hear that from my classical singers. They just kind of go, okay. Um, but um, they, they, they don't seem to ask those questions. And, and the thing is, depending on the background that the singers have come from, yeah. I need to have an understanding. If they're like, well, do you want this as thick folds then? Right. I'm not understanding this. So just to provide readers this idea of like, okay, I can kind of understand which pedagogy world they came from based off their verbiage. So I felt it was really important to introduce anybody who read this book to the things that might be out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, six years ago, I uh, supervised a dissertation where we 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 recorded some elite Broadway singers and and had them sing in in in. We asked them to sing exercises in belt and in mix and in, in, in legit. And uh, it was very interesting. One of the things we did in the survey questions after, like just in the interview, we had like a not a survey, like a brief interview after after they did the exercises. And one of the very interesting things from those from that from that particular group of of, of singers was that um, they were like, "This is really weird being asked to vocalize in belt voice." They were like, "They were like, um, it, it's it's just really strange to even think about that." But we also had them sing excerpts from pretty familiar songs that we thought, "Well, everybody's going to know this right now." Like like just stuff that like I think we had them sing the end of Wizard and I, and I don't even remember what the other excerpts were. But it was funny when they went to sing the excerpts, they had no problem. They just sang them. They were like, well, I know what's going on emotionally here in the show. I would never sing this role, but I know what's going on, so I can do it. But if, but if, we, asked them to, if we asked them to belt something, not that belt is a register, but um, it was, it, I, it's, that was my favorite observation from that project was that they were like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. Um, <laughs> yeah, <honestly>. that's interesting. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, great. So all these plural books also come with a companion website. Um, it has that been updated for the second edition as well? Yes. Yes. Extensively or just? It should be the. I, it, I don't think we had. Did we have an online version for the first Probably edition? Not. I don't yeah. think we, we did. Not. So I do yeah. think the second edition is this, and hopefully all of the links and stuff for the because the workbook, the second workbook has. I think we've got easily. 40 new, I don't know, 30 new exercises. It was a lot of new exercises. I will say, it's one of my favorite things about the plural books, actually, are these companion websites. Um, uh, It was one of my most impressive things uh, when we did Kari's, Kari Reagan's interview for Nats National. Looking through the the companion website of that book, I was like, oh my gosh, Kari, how long did this take? Yeah, <laughs> that website. Um, but I think it's and there a, should be also slide decks for each of the chapters now for like awesome. somebody that would be teaching it. Awesome, 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 awesome. Okay, well there there you go, Vocal Fam. So if you're looking for a new <laughs> pedagogy textbook, uh, the Vocal Athlete Second Edition with companion website uh, is your uh, perhaps maybe your go-to here now. <laughs> uh, no, no, and listen, let me just tell you seriously. I think you know over the over the history. Uh, I, as a, a truly honest compliment to both of you, um, I mean, this is my show. I can say whatever I want. Um, <laughs> I really think that, you know, historically, there have been certain moments where different texts sort of become, I think, like the pedagogy text. Obviously, 
you know, William Bernard's book obviously had its moment as, you know, like the book that was being used. Um, I, I think certainly, um, you know, Barbara Dosher's text, uh, you know, was a, you know, so was Jim McKinney's. Um, and obviously Scott's, you know, books have, you know, ha- had, a, had a place in that as well. But I really think that this book is part of that tradition now. I mean, I really think that this book is now seated in some of those, you know, uh, in that lineage of really being one of our important just vocal pedagogy books or voice pedagogy, whichever word you want to use. One of my vocal fry things is we don't get caught up on terms. Um, but, you know, I really think it's in that lineage of important overall voice ped books. And and Thank congratulations you. to you both on it being, you know, not just uh, involving classical singing. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, it's very, it's, it's, it's really, really, really an awesome book. And uh, I look forward to, you know, working through it with students this spring, not just, not just myself. Anyway, we are uh, here on Vocal Fry. One of our things that that we've been doing for actually before I transition, I'm going to forget Vocal Fam. All these plural books available on the Plural Publishing website or on Amazon. You can get them either place. Though 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 Amazon might get it to you faster, but who knows, you might have a Plural Publishing discount code so you might want to order it directly from Plural. Either way, you can get it from both places. Even in Canada because that was a question that has been asked. Um, but one of our missions at Vocal Fry is also to, to share our deep, deep love for, for nerd pop culture that we have. But the thing I've been asking everyone during the pandemic, the, the whole year, all, pretty much all of 2020, at least since whenever the pandemic started, has been, what do you do other than singing or your professional activities with voice that brings you joy in your life. And this could be anything from a book series that you love, a podcast that you love, a band that you love, a I love baking cookies, I love whatever, you know, I remember Warren Jones told us about his love for chopping wood and ironing. Um, You know, Scott told us about his love of breeding tropical (laughs) fish. Uh, it, you know, I mean, it is just anything that you Bodo Moss and his unicycle, um, and anything that you <laughs> a, a, and his acro yoga, um, anything that you enjoy that's bringing you joy in your life that is not necessarily singing or voice related. Well, I I have um, a very addictive and unfortunately also expensive hobby that I actually started a little bit pre-pandemic, but it's gone full full force now. So I am obsessed with acrylic pouring and alcohol ink art. So I have an art studio in my basement that my what husband- that? <laughs> that my, I should have brought some of my- You so need right to now, get on Marcy's website because she has some beautiful work. I'm uh, hoping she might send me some <laughs> nice coasters for Christmas. I don't okay, even know what this is. <laughs> so gorgeous. alcohol inks are, um, so at the moment I'm doing Christmas ornaments, which is ironic given that I'm Jewish, but um, I, I sit and spend hours and hours and hours and hours. And it's just like the ones that I do, my goal is to give them like a stained glass kind of Tiffany look to them and they're sort of translucent and they're, um, they're very pretty. And then the, and then the acrylic pouring is on a canvas. Like I just did a, like a 36 by 48 canvas for one of my dear friends who just moved for her house. Um, and so I, I do art. I will spend 
hours. And when I'm telling you hours, I am not kidding you. I could be down there for six straight hours and have no idea that that's the amount of time that, that passed. And you do this in your basement. You don't have to worry about fumes? Well, I probably. So if you notice me t- t- twitching in another five to ten years, you'll know why. Um, I mean, I do. I wear, like, I had N95 masks before we needed N95 masks. For the, in fact, Wendy and I at the pre-beginning of the pandemic, when nobody could get them, I was like, Wendy, do you need me to send you a couple of these? Because I actually have them from my art. I mean, I just... That's I, we had we still had like a whole pack of them left, of N95s <laughs> left over from when we remodeled our house. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, well, there you go. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, so I spend hours and hours and hours doing that. My husband, for my birthday this last year, took a, an area in our basement and like went to Ikea and got me like one of those architect desks that has a crank so it could be higher or lower. And he like set cool. up a little like art studio area for me little did he know i would spend a good chunk of my time down there so that, i would say that's probably and we have a lot of animals so ah, we got, we got a dogs we've got two dogs got the dog behind i see there. the one puppers behind you yes <laughs> i got two of them there we're very pro puppy dog on this show so uh, and then a bearded dragon is the newest edition a bearded my, dragon my junior in high school talked me into it and it's it's hard to say no when your kid who's been basically sitting in their bedroom for almost a year says hey man i want a bearded dragon so we got her a bearded dragon so now it's that but anyway those are my hobbies amazing (laughs) amazing cool wendy Oh my gosh, I don't even know. I, my voice, my world is so wrapped up in voice, voice stuff so I much know. of the time. I, I started doing done. Wine with Dr. Wendy's on Friday <laughs> nights, which was super fun. Fantastic. Um, but I will say that during this pandemic, um, I have gotten to be mom much more uh, than I probably ever have in my life. Gosh, yeah. Like being able to go outside with my boys and like do sidewalk chalk or, yeah. um, you know, for the first time in probably 25 years, I haven't had to travel to Washington for the, you know, some of the committees that I'm on or, um, you know, doing the, as much traveling and speaking as I've done. Yeah. It's been virtual right now and yeah. it's allowed me to be mom. So I've gotten to do a lot of what I call procrastinate baking because I tend to bake <laughs> when I don't want to do anything else. Procrastinate baking has not been good for our procrastinate waistline, but, but I, anyway. I know, no. right? I have to give it away. <laughs> Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, and just getting to be with my boys more than That's I've awesome. probably ever gotten to be with them, which I love being a mom. And uh, it's I, I won't say that maybe being a mom's a hobby because it's not. No, yeah, no, no. But it's actually been wonderful because my husband's also a musician, and he's a teacher. So you know we've all been home together uh, for a while now. And so it's 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 good. Although I've had to be back in the office since July. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but uh, but I haven't had to travel. So being a mom and getting to do hikes and play basketball in the driveway and Gosh. just do fun stuff has been really actually awesome. I agree. I resonate with that oh, very yes. very strongly. Uh, we um, we uh, you know not having to travel for any conferences has been in a way great i mean in a way it's sad because i think you know our our uh 
as you know, as your true story talk about, you know, talk about how many how many collaborations have come out of Voice Foundation with two people in a coffee shop right outside of you know the the, the, <laughs> the stupid the stupid Weston, um, but um, or at that whatever that ter- what was the right there Applebee's or whatever that terrible place was right <laughs> yeah. there on the corner I, <laughs> yeah, that, that like I think probably shut down by now, but. Um, but anyway, you know, uh, being just being able to be, you know, here and around the kids, it was like even yeah. when we were doing Nats National this summer, I was like, well, I'm going to do a session now, and then I'm going to go back in and see the kids and get a, you know, whatever, and you know, that's so I very much. It's uh, been nice. It, mm-hmm. Our older daughter is at Michigan, and she's she's 12 minutes up the road, so we get to see her as well, which is a really nice. Yeah, um, absolutely. Blessing. Absolutely. But I will say, given all that saying home and not having to travel to conscious fun fact about marcy and wendy but i hope wendy doesn't kill me for sharing this but we both are nervous flyers ah and so we okay. we um we used i'm much better than i used to be wendy i think you're you are also much i am better, than better. used to be yes um better. but we both used to be like kind of a disaster okay. when it came to like getting on airplanes so we used to joke like god forbid we ever have to go somewhere together to present something and we hopefully cannot. we actually Nobody get on the airplane us on a plane <laughs> nope 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 and That's I'm always, I, I'll never not get on a plane. I always get on the airplane, but we—that's we, a commonality that we had back in the day. But we've—I feel we've sorted through it to a certain degree. We have, for the most part. We, you know, we, we, yeah. But I will definitely say nervous flying, and it is a thing. It's like Marcy, say a prayer for me that I can get on this flight, and I'll meet you there. Please let us all get there. And she. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever been afraid to fly, but I, I can't say that I there's a there's a big part of me that is a very much a homebody anyway that just sort of wants to just be at my house instead of yeah. on the road, and so uh, I uh, yeah yeah I, I do I, miss though I, I miss the collegial yeah. interactions. I'm so I, I was so sad we didn't get to teach at Shenandoah. Yeah, um, the summer, but our, the virtual thing ended up being great. It was a hit. It, it prompted yeah. me to launch an, my own online virtual thing. Wendy, I know you're like the sort of the cup half full of this is that. No, it's sort of it's, you know. it's absolutely right. I mean, it was the, it was the same way with with acoustic voice pet at, at New England Conservatory with yeah. us this summer. It was it was sad that we weren't in person. Yeah. But in a way, it was kind of great. You know, even with Nat's virtual, it was great. It sort of felt like we were together in a lot of ways. At least yeah. any of us who saw each other. Yeah. Um, and Pava was great. I don't know sure, if you went to the Pava. Sure. Sure. No. Huh? Fantastic. Yeah, you know, and so there have been like really nice things. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, I, it, like I'm actually just with the increase in online teaching. I'm actually yeah. currently I've reconnected with some of my former students who are now yep. pros. I've you know I'm teaching people from all over the country now, and mm-hmm. um, it's uh, you know it, there have been. It's like every time I, I, I get really discouraged by everything that's happened this year, which is easy to do, there have been also really good things, mm-hmm. you know, that have also happened this year. Right. It's yep. so, you know, Vocal Fam, it's not that, you know, if, if well, if, 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 any, if any of our listeners, you know, have heard, we're very much, you know, pro fight the fatigue right now, pro Nat's, you know, mission of fight the hashtag fight the fatigue, hashtag singing is not canceled. Um, but, but, you know, just trying to, you know, reach out and be there for all of us because there, but there have been, there really have been cool things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. gosh, I, 
I, I, I've learned so much this year about online yes. everything in the world um, that, you know, I never, I never thought that I would have a virtual studio recital with all of my students collaborating with a pianist on the internet and then me combining them like I'm some kind of mastering computer guru and putting them all into these feeds. And I, you know, like I never, I, you know, I'm, I'm just a voice teacher. What do I know? Um, so it's been a it's been a strange and wonderful and confusing and great yeah. year. So anyway, Indeed. Vocal Fam, if you need a Christmas gift for that <laughs> that uh, that a last minute Christmas gift, because Amazon is like the only shipping entity that's actually getting things to people even remotely on time right now. If yeah. you need that last minute Christmas gift for that <laughs> singing person in your family. Uh. Go to Amazon and get the Vocal Athlete Second Edition. Please get the Second Edition, Vocal Athlete Second Edition. Get yourself the workbook, or get that loved one in your life, um, the Second Edition and the workbook. And you know it'll be it'll be really awesome. It'll be really awesome because and tell them that you heard about us from the Vocal Fry from that you heard about it from the Vocal Fry podcast. Uh, Wendy, Marcy, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for carving time out of your very busy schedules and you know. And, Thank and, you and, for having us. Oh, it's, it's been our pleasure. Uh, Vocal fam, Sarah and I will be back with you one week from today. We have a very, as we teased last week, we have a very special fourth edition of Vocal Fry Christmas next week um, with some very, very special reminiscent guests because the holidays are about reminiscing and remembering old times. That's just a little preview for you. I promise we will break down the entire second season of the Mandalorian, which will finish next Friday. And, um, we are, uh, we're, it's just going to be a, it's going to, to say that it's going to be an old school vocal fry is going to be in the understatement of the century. Uh, so anyway, we will be back with you next Saturday sometime. Anyway, with that, Marcy Wendy, thank you, thank you so much, and thank you. And, you know, just this happy was, holidays, happy new year, to yes, everybody. happy new year, absolutely. All right, all right, peace out, vocal fam.